this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am so excited today to have my guest with me, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. This is going to be an amazing conversation today about something that may be a little deep for some people to hear, but it's something that we both feel in the discussion is needed now more than ever, especially in the season that we are in, especially with some of the mental struggles a lot of people are having. And as me and my team have talked about the other day, that we have this fear that there's going to be more mental tragedies from COVID than there will be physical tragedies from COVID. And so this is just something I'm blessed for you to come on, Michelle. So again, thank yeah. you for being here. My pleasure. I hope you're wrong about that. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I do too. I want to be so wrong with it. Trust me, I do. Um, but let's just go ahead for people that don't know who you are and hop on into the show. Just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. That's pretty open, right? Well, um, I am the mom of an addicted loved one. And that's kind of where I'm coming, that space I'm coming to you today from, because I have learned how to speak boldly about addiction. And so I minister to moms of addicted loved ones, because oftentimes we live in shame and feel like we did something wrong, that it's a, it's a parenting flaw that we didn't parent our child well. So my husband and I were um, retired like five years ago. and. All of a sudden, um, our lives are turned upside down. We knew our son and daughter-in-law were, were had, having difficulty with mental health issues and addiction, but we thought things were better and got a call. We, we were um, retired and living in Florida, golfing and pickleballing and having a ball and um, got a call that our, our son was in jail. And um, it was just devastating because they had two little girls. And we knew that if he was struggling, that his wife probably was too. And, you know, how were those girls doing? So um, we ended up taking guardianship of the girls and getting our son and daughter-in-law into recovery. Um, or at least we tried for a while. We've had a lot of ups and downs. They've gone from opioids to heroin to meth. Um, now they are 24 months, almost 24, almost two years into recovery. So we are really blessed. And I try to tell my story, you know, from a mom's point of view, because the addict always lives in shame already. Like they don't want to be an addict. It's not the name that God gave them. It's not the name that I gave my son. Um, it, it gets to the point where the brain is so diseased that they become this person you hardly recognize. And so 
I have just learned that people misunderstand so much about addiction and it's, it's my role. God is counting on me to um, explain it differently, explain it um, with truth. And so that's kind of where, where I sit. I make my mess a message and I try to help moms um, recover from the guilt, shame, and chaos. Mm, and that's so powerful. Yes. As, as you are not sorry for speaking boldly about it. And, and I am so grateful for that because I do come from a family that has addiction in it. Mm. Um, I have a loved one that I've saw, I felt like it was my fault that this person started because I about died and, and they didn't know how to deal with me about dying in my medical needs that they knew that they had a surgery a few months prior, a dental surgery. And they're like, okay, they remember that made them feel good. And so what if I do more? Like, what if, what if I just do a little bit more because I can't deal with my loved one passing on? And how much shame I held, I had with it. Yeah. And the burden of it right. is so overwhelming. And then to only imagine that this is your son. Yeah. Or this is your loved one. This is your daughter. This It's not easy. And I love, and, I, and that's the one thing I really want to dive into because the mental side of it, this is a disease. Right. No, I do not know one addict that wants to be an addict. I don't know any of them. No. And their brain is so messed up. To be truthful, it has so many chemical reactions that's happened that now it needs dopamine is really what the uh, one of the largest things is, which is reward. But here's the thing is that we see other people with these struggles, but we struggle with a lot of dopamine releases as well, but maybe not to that degree. So right. we want to feel rewarded. We want we like the likes. We like mm-hmm. when people appraise us. We like these things. Yeah, we like our um, brain, certain brain waves, dopamines lit up. Mm-hmm. And and we like that. Yeah. There's us at a far greater level. So I'd love for you to go into more about as a, from a mom's perspective. But just one of the things, uh, kind of a side note is what you said is our, when our addicted loved ones know that we're struggling and we are feeling guilty or full of shame, it makes them even feel worse. Um, it, it, so it's counterproductive and it, it isn't helpful at all. But the the um brain it, so a lot of people w- when this first happened to us my husband was like it's a choice he's choosing this and i wasn't sure where i was you know and there's this huge debate so we just plunged into like reading everything we could and understanding it and i i i was like so enthralled with it all that i was like i think i'm going to go get my phd in neuroscience <laughs> My husband's like, oh, really? Well, I think you need to get your master's first, right? But but it's just because um, it's so fascinating in that you think one thing, but once you re- really read the science, when they first use, it's a choice, right? So if they're in high school or like, like a dental surgery, my son hurt his back and he got an opioids and it was like, wow, I can do so much more. I feel so much better using this. And so, but there comes a point and we, you know, I can't say specifically when that the brain becomes so in need of that dopamine that it it's kind of, it's, it's 10 times as worse or more than um, coffee, nicotine, 
any of those things. Like it, it, it's something that you and I who aren't addicts um, cannot relate to because the cravings, the power of that brain is so, um, so powerful. And what happens when it gets to that disease state is one side of the brain cannot communicate with the other side. So there's no reasoning going on. Um, so a lot of times you'll hear um, my, my friends used to say, well, Michelle, I think he just needs to hit rock bottom. And I used to think, well, what is that death? Like, how, how, what do you mean? We're going to wait till he hits rock bottom. And so part of, part of what I help moms learn how to do is love their child and hate the disease. But oftentimes, you know, we have to detach because we can't stand to see them so sick, but there is another way. And that's coming up beside them. That's accepting them for where they are in their journey but loving them and praying with them and encouraging them um, to get well. And, and so I, I always say like this. So if you had uh, diabetes or a heart disease, you get a whole team approach to managing your health. There's the diet, there's medicine, there's a community, you can join a community, there's prayer, there's a lot of community and it's a team effort. When an addict is ill, nobody asks moms, hey, how's your son? How's your daughter? How are they doing in their treatment? Or how are they with their disease? Like, you know, it's like that, ooh, we can't talk about it because it's just so awkward, right? But I think if we have the mindset that, no, this is like heart disease, diabetes, they need a team approach. And in my research, I discovered that only 10% of people are getting medical assisted treatment for this disease, 10%. It's horrible, it's horrific. Can you imagine only 10% of diabetics or heart patients getting treatment? And I, and I get it, some people are so in denial, they're like, I don't need, I don't need anything, I'm not an addict. And part of that is just the stigma because um, who wants to admit something that is so full of shame, right? Like. Nobody's going to want to admit that. And most people, just like you and I, we think, oh, I, we can manage our health, okay? I just need to will it off. I just need to quit eating. Where's my willpower? But once they get in that disease state if, with the brain, will they can, that's, that's a myth. You cannot, you cannot change it with willpower. Uh -uh. And, and that's <laughs> how many parents, how many people have prayed that you could be able yeah. to do that? It, but it's not. And, and that's the thing that I think is so powerful. And I went through a season of shame and, and it about killed me. It was whenever I had my child out of wedlock and it was, I was so depressed. I was so, my whole, my whole body was reacting against me and I was so down and it, it, well, it almost killed me, my kid, um, which <laughs> led to the story I told earlier. But all that to say is I researched on the shame aspect. And how much shame literally shuts off your brains. It increases inflammation. It does so much damage to you. It literally does. And then you're going to add addiction on top of it. And so my thing is like whenever I do these, uh, I always say I sign it with love and whoever the guest is. And I think that's important to part it, talk about the love aspect of it. Oh, because yeah. my definition of love, and it's not easy. It is not easy. It's no. the patient, kind, honest understanding and not boasting of ill will. But oh. it, 
<laughs> it is also based off the aspect of it's unconditional. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard part. Is yeah. you have condition. They did something that you didn't agree with. And yeah. now here we are. Yes, it was a choice. So talk about that and the power of coming by beside with love and understanding it is not easy. No. And, and actually, you know, I, I run these support meetings where we, tr we talk about it and we partner up and we try to pretend like, you know, we're talking to our addicted loved one. And even if I help moms, like with the dialogue, like here's, here's what you can say. And, you know, first is um, what you see. So, oh, I see that um, you go out when you're out with your friends, you like to drink because you said that it, helps you come alive and you can break out of your shell and you're not so shy. So that's just kind of like acknowledging what you see. And then maybe um, it's an empathy statement where you empathize with, yeah, um, I'm sure it feels so much better to feel like you belong than to not belong. And, and then it's coming alongside them and accepting them. So, um, but I noticed that, you know, it was hard for you to get up Saturday morning after, or I, I noticed that you lost your job or I, you know, you, I know you lost your job, but I guess, you know, going out with your friends was worth it. So it, it's not laced with sarcasm. It's just kind of helping them to see, okay, there's, there's a gain and there's a loss and, but it, it must've been worth it to you. It's kind of pointing that out. Right. So um, how are, how are you with your life? Is this what you always wanted for your life? And, and what do you think it's, it's asking questions. It's thinking about like a stranger or a friend. How would you talk to them? You, you wouldn't shame them or try to control them or should them. Um, it's just accepted, you know, God accepted everybody unconditionally, but I know there was a time as a mother, I, I couldn't even talk to my son and my daughter-in-law. I had to ask my husband to take it over because I was so full of empathy. Like if I was around them, I felt so stressed that I had to guard my self-help and that's something different. So I always tell moms, you know, where are your boundaries? And to, and to start with, list all your values. Like, what do you really value? What is really important to you? And then you, you set your boundaries and here's what I will accept from my child. And here's what I won't, but you can, you can do that with a friend. Hey, you know, if you're with a friend and they're bad mouthing somebody else and you're not comfortable with that, you're going to, you're going to show that boundary in some way with them too. So it's not saying that you don't love them. It's just saying, here's where I'm at. And, um, but I, I believe in you. I'm confident that you're going to figure this out because you're bright. You know, it's it, so like in, in my group for the month of November, I'm asking moms every single day to find a characteristic or a trait of their addicted loved one that they love. And it's, it's focusing on, you know, the addiction is not who they are. It's the behavior of the disease that we hate, but not the person so hard. And I think that's so important because I have had deep discussions with people that have fall addiction. They base it into their identity. Yeah. They feel it. So it's who they are. It's their 
badge of shame. It's that scarlet letter that they have written on their forehead, you know, and nobody wants that. Nobody. I don't think anybody grew up in this life and saying, I want to have this badge of shame. I, I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be everything that people told me about. And I'm not meeting those standards. And I think the thing, too, is helping as a loved one to not make them feel compared to what they could be. Because I found at times, this one person I'm thinking, literally the smartest human being I know. (laughs) So smart, beyond smart. And he, he knows it. And so many people have mentioned it without saying it directly that he's wasted his life. Do you not think he already knows that? Oh, not think wow. he already struggles with that. So why in the world would you want to bring that up? And then also not only bringing it up, then starting to have fights and discussions, especially if they are high. Right. Yeah. That's like, there's no logic there. Cause when, when they're high, there's uh there's absolutely, it's upside down logic. It doesn't even make sense. So I try to tell my moms, you don't react, you respond. And there's a difference. Mm-hmm. So if we react, it's probably with anger. It's with isolation, abandonment or whatever, but we just respond. And that is a place where you're calm. You're, I used to say to my son, I'm going to choose to not be not have a discussion with you right now because it, it's it's just a waste. No, I didn't say a waste, but you know, I'm I'm just gonna choose and we'll table this and come back. Used to hate that, but mm-hmm. I just didn't fight in that moment because you can't win. It, mm-hmm. it, it, they're illogical, irrational. But you know, Emily, I think you can relate to shame better than a lot of people. Um, and so you get it, but it, so many people like wear like right on their forehead, like who they are, if they were, you know, um, whether that word is addict, whether it is, I've always been a complainer. I always thought, oh gosh, everybody <laughs> complained. Like we all have that. And, and then we have our real name. And so mm-hmm. it's finding, and I'm sure your mother was good at that is, you know, moms, moms are really good at seeing your gifts, your giftedness and who you really are and not, not the addict. So when I say I'm the mom of an addicted loved one, I always have to add addicted loved one. Right. But I hate the word addict because it's like saying you're, um, you're a criminal, oh. you know, it's just, mm-hmm. So just the word itself, but it's, if you ask a, an addict or recovering addict, they'll say, no, that's okay. That's the name. But mm-hmm. um, as a mother, it just doesn't sound very endearing. But No. And I think another topic or another point I want to go into is speaking boldly about addiction is in that aspect, you have to care for yourself. You talked about boundaries. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. It is extremely powerful to own yourself so others can't own you. And that, I want to tell you, your family knows those daggers that are hidden and those special spots to turn that hurt more than probably anyone. That's the reason they're your loved ones, because you've tore down those walls and you've exposed yourself. You've been vulnerable. But being careful with understanding that when they say things, are they saying it out anger? Are they high in that moment? How are they going about it? Is it something that 
they actually mean. Because if they are high at that moment, for me, what I found, there's about a 99.9999% chance they didn't mean it. And if they could take it back, they would take everything in the world to get just to the back to the level where they could just love you and have a conversation without them getting stressed, without them getting overwhelmed, without them fighting that need for that dopamine. I call it the, the cheerleader of the body. It is that it's a teenage cheerleader is actually what we call it because it's just that quick like rah rah <laughs> okay I I can do this I can make it just cheer me on just continue you know but that's what they need they they need that feel and then imagine you don't need one cheerleader you need a whole freaking stadium of cheerleaders just for you to walk down the road just for you to talk to a loved one and so I think it's so important for the boundaries and I love the work that you are doing by. By creating, in essence, a boundary for mothers to learn, but also an outlet. So I do want you to tell a little bit about what you do, your group. And if anybody's interested in getting connected or wanting to learn more. I didn't have support. I I really didn't. I couldn't talk to my friends. Nobody understood. And so I wrote the book, Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. And it's kind of like this... um, journal. So moms can just kind of journal in it. And then um, I invite them into our private Facebook group, which is Moms Letting Go. And, um, you know, that over a thousand, 1200 moms there. And it's it's great because we encourage, we pray, but we also hold each other accountable for um, changing for our recovery because nothing changes if moms don't change. And here's where I sit. So I believe that if moms who are passionate about this um, can recover and heal, then they can go out and make their mess a message and more and more people will understand mm. uh, the stigma and the addiction cycle. But what the, the main thing, this, this is where my sweet spot is, is I know that every single one of those moms has been hacked because they are not living in their purpose. They're so focused on their child that they forget their dreams for themselves. And so I encourage them to um, become unhackable. I'm a hackable coach. I believe that if we have that focus on what we want to achieve and, and we go for it, our children will see our passion, our giftedness, our ability to do more and be more and they will want recovery but when we're always focusing on them it 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 doesn't it just keeps us in the same cycle it doesn't stop that cycle so i have a boon to empower 1 million moms to recover by 2025 Ugh. and you I'm can do that out loud. <laughs> i know it's it's what I call it, it's crazy faith. It's those crazy faith goals that you say out loud. And it's like, oh, it's I, know, but I so, gotta be accountable. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, is it's it's something that I I think a lot of people can get behind and to deal with. And I wish there wasn't a million moms, but there are. I know. Yeah. And I yeah, think the sure. important thing that you said is their self recovery. Right. That's not talked about a lot. Choices. We can't make their choice. We can only choose for our own lives. So we have to make loving choices toward them, but also find our purpose and live in that. 
I appreciate you so much for coming on today. You are such a blessing. And so my final question for you is people are apologizing for speaking boldly about addiction, about their loved ones, for their loved ones, Mm -hmm. and setting those boundaries, doing those things that may be a little bit different that you know actually work. What would you say to them? I would say to break free because if you can break free from the guilt and shame that you have, it will stop the stigma and encourage others to get into recovery. And that's our ultimate dream is for everybody to find humane recovery options and get in stay in recovery. Mm, so powerful. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks so much today. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for knowing your gift. Thank you for stopping your life just to continue to grow your gift. Like those are things that are so powerful that I love to have guests on like you that are, are doing a lot of the work that matter so much. And I know there's somebody listening to this and you're like, I know somebody that could use this or I could use this. Yeah. Reach out reach out. Just, it will be one of the best gifts because I've had to learn how to love an addicted one Mm -hmm. and it is not easy. And I did it a lot of it alone and I can see a lot of people doing it alone. You need a community, you need a team. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to provide. Mm -hmm. Hand holding friendships and understanding hope, hope. Yeah. Amen. And the thing that actually comes with this, and I know we'll wrap it up in a second, but the cool thing is, is we talk about dopamine, dopamine, which is the, I call it the cheerleader of the body. There's actually the one that really compensates for dopamine is I I call it the loving grandmother. It is oxytocin. It is actually what gives you that bond, that trust, that human connection. It's the belonging. It literally can help you save your life and get you on the road that you need to recovery. It is such a powerful chemical in the body. It's the love chemical is what I call it. And it's, it's your love grandmother. It's, it's, it's what gives you that connection and it is what is needed for you to be able to get over that hurdle. Cause it helps with different, it actually helps with all other chemicals like um, serotonin, which is with anxiety and depression. I call it the safety cop of the body. It, so it helps you be safe. It helps you combat your desire and your needs for those quick rewards. And it also helps you deal with stress. It literally is a lifesaver. And I believe it was put in our body for a reason. And it's extremely yeah. important. So y'all go get connected. Find your human connection. And if you can reach out to Michelle, I believe the work that she's doing is amazing. And thank you for all that listen. And y'all have a blessed one. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.